There's a race against time to document indigenous Creole languages in Melanesia before they evolve or die out. That's according to research fellow at the Australian National University, Kirsty Gillespie, who's documenting Bizlama, which is a variety of Melanesian pidgin, Tokbisin in Papua New Guinea, and pidgin in Solomon Islands. The three languages aren't endangered, but Dr Gillespie says over time there'll be fewer speakers. She spoke with Lydia Lewis about the work. What we're doing is we're recording the three Pacific Creole languages of Tokbisin from Papua New Guinea, Solomon's Pigeon from the Solomon Islands and Bishlama from Vanuatu. We're recording these languages with a view to make mobile phone apps that can be used by the Australian government workers and other people going to Pacific countries and engaging with communities there. Do you see Pigeon as a unifying language? Yes, um, these languages are really interesting. So um, over time, they've changed from pidgin languages to be called creole languages. So um, in the past, we've recognised Melanesian pidgin as, yeah, as you say, it's a unifying language actually between those countries. People can understand each other. Speakers of Tokpisin can understand speakers of Bishnama, for example. And they unify within the countries too. So Papua New Guinea, for example, has more than 800 local languages. So Tokpisin is a language that unifies the people there, that they can speak to each other. They might have different local languages and they live in different parts of the country, but Tokpisin, the Creole language of Papua New Guinea, is a unifying one. All three have different origins. Can you just explain a little bit the nuances and the differences and where they came from? Sure. Well, it's, I mean, it's fascinating. There are differences in the history of these different countries, but we could say, generally speaking, that Melanesian pidgin is born of a kind of colonial interactions between English, predominantly English speakers, but speakers of German and in Vanuatu, speakers of French, interacting with islanders, speaking their local languages and finding something in between. So these pidgin languages are fascinating because they might, in often is the case, they might be called like English lexifiers. So the many of the words might come from English, but they are they're changed in a way to be used within within the Creole language. And their structure of the language can often reflect the more the local languages side of things. So as you say, it's a real mix of, um, of um, English, some German, some French, some Malay, even different languages that have interacted with those particular countries, often in an employment context. So we talk about uh, plantation labour, and other sorts of work that was happening say, in the 19th century and then there was a lot of movement of people and importance of interacting with a lot of people from different backgrounds. So that's the really fascinating thing, the background to Melanesian pigeon. And that's right, with people moving as well out of their villages and moving into city centres, many indigenous language speakers, like you say there are hundreds, have moved towards speaking these Creoles, like you say, not they've moved from being pidgin languages to Creoles. Mm. Do you have any concerns around Indigenous languages being lost? Yes, there are a lot of concerns about about endangered languages in the Pacific, and linguists have focused a lot on those languages that haven't been documented yet. There are still languages with, with small amount of speakers that um that haven't been documented at all. So uh, it's a bit of a race against time to try and um, and focus on those. And a lot of linguists are focusing 
on those undocumented languages for those reasons because after, over time there'll be less and less speakers of those languages so they're um, focusing on that. Uh, the interesting thing I will say about the Creole languages, as you describe, people from different language backgrounds are coming together and perhaps but being in urban centres. And so these Creole languages, they become Creoles because they become the first languages of people. So I, I think that's a really important point to make. We've talked about Melanesian pigeons. They've evolved to be Creoles because people are learning to speak those as their first languages now whereas in the past they might have already had a couple of other languages before they acquired pidgin in terms of interacting with other people. You do see uh, a lot of code switching as well. So people use might have half the sentence in the Creole language and then they might speak in their local language or they, draw, or they bring their local language into the vocabulary of the Creole. So it's just a really fascinating thing that's happening. But like, uh, languages are dynamic and changing all the time. So we do need to document what's happening and that's what we're trying to do with our project. Do you acknowledge the colonial, I guess, origins of these? And have you found throughout this research anyone detesting or a frustration with the origins, where they came from, and I guess wanting to wanting more research or wanting to speak or wanting to hear all these? Indigenous languages, even though there are just so many? That's a really good question. So I think, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis, people really use and own these languages as their own anymore. They don't think about the colonial origins of them terribly much. You know, it's the linguists who might look closely at the origin of particular words and say, oh, that word comes from German and that one comes from here or there. There is a bit of a stigma around using Creole languages in official contexts, for example, like there, and there are ongoing debates about using Creole languages in schooling. Uh, so there is, in some areas, there is a kind of a lack of respect of Creole languages as actual um, languages, and that and that can be difficult for um, you know new generations who might. Um, that might be their first language and it might in some cases be their own language, that they, the only language that they feel competent and fluent in too. So, um, you know, that people do really need to... I, I would like to think that people could come to respect these um, Creole languages as um, actual languages um, themselves and, and to see their value in them. And I think that's where we are at, at the moment with our um, project being funded by the Australian government, um, you know, people can see that these are the languages that are being used on the ground, particularly in kind of disaster or crisis situations where, you know, other governments come and, and respond and support. You know, for example, in Vanuatu, we had Cyclone Judy and Kevin that came, you know, within 48 hours of each other um, just, um, just this last um, March. And I was there in April, so people were talking a lot about that. And so, um, you know, we can we can recognise that we can use these languages, you know, that these are very useful languages um, in those sort of interactions. So, you know, I hope that people can come to look past all that kind of colonial and the stigma around the Creole languages and see how useful and fun they are to speak um, and learn.